Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cast of Call, where we talk all things related to the Dark Tower series by Stephen King. I'm your co-host, Rachel, and joining me after a long, long, long break, I'm so glad you're back, it's the one and only DJ. I swear I'm not dead, guys. Just, uh, <laughs> you just sound re- a little bit like it. <laughs> recovering from the COVID, so You got times. the Rona! Oh, man, when I saw that post on Facebook, I was like, God damn it. <laughs> yeah, uh, some of the folks I play music with um, were a little uh-huh. less uh, good about checking on themselves as we are. And so they're like, oh, by the way, and you're like, oh, crap. And then like, I'm like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Oh, nope, I'm not fine. Oh, no. Was it bad? I, I've still knock on wood avoided it, but um, I'm I'm so I uh, sharing my own PII. I'm like all the way vaccinated You're so back to the max yeah that part's not too bad i've been um it really wiped me out i slept for like 14 or 16 hours the first Damn. day i was feeling sick um and then i've just been like really weak for the oh, last few bud. days and then my my heart's been racing for some reason so i'm just Ooh. trying to stay stay safe and and take my naps as needed but um yeah. I, I feel like i'm getting better now and probably by tomorrow or the next day i'll be back to normal again so yeah. it's not too bad yeah it's still it's just scary you know what i mean because for a long time it was such a like ah when you got it but now it's not, not yeah they're not bad. joking about the brain fog either like the first couple of days i just find myself staring at a random object for 10 oh, minutes no! not where I was at. Like, what oh. was i doing i was gonna do something then i'm like uh wait what <laughs> Nope, got the vid brain. Oh, buddy. <laughs> yeah, it's been crazy. We've been gone for a little bit because we talked a little bit about this before the show, but I was I took a little bit of a break just because I was experiencing burnout. You were out of town. Ta- First you were out of town, then I took a little break. I needed a little mental health break. And then when I came back from my mental health break, you were in Italy. <laughs> <laughs> and then so today I'm like, all right, today's the day. We're going to do this. And then I saw your test and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> okay, I'll power power through this. Yeah, you are a very good sport. And I, I'm, I'm glad that you're not feeling so bad that you couldn't do this. Like, to me, that feels like it's a good sign that you're doing okay. That's why I was checking in with you before the cast is so I knew how long my nap was going to be before I got on. <laughs> Well, this is a short chapter, so this may be a slightly shorter episode, but it's just good to have you back. I've missed you. Um, all right, likewise. So oh, it's a team effort. We'll talk about it in our plugs at the end, but we did. We have spoken recently on a, another project, but we'll get there. We'll get there. All right. <laughs> so the plan for this episode is we're going to kick off the show with an in-depth conversation about Wolves of the Kala, Part Two, Telling Lies, Chapter One, The Pavilion, Sections Eight through Fourteen. Uh, I don't have a listener questions episode, so we will, so that'll kind of be it for the show. Um, But before we get into any of that, DJ, it's been a while since I've heard one of these. What's our spoiler policy? Well, when I'm doing my jive beats and I uh, start to make the rice pudding, so to speak, I will, I will give you a Kamala when we are crossing over into the, the spoiler zone. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know where this was gonna go. Did not expect that. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of odd, brand. I feel like that. Was yeah, good. no, no, it's great. It's great. I just, I never know. You never know. <laughs> All right. So, where did we last leave off? Do you know? <laughs> oh yeah. So, okay. um, uh, it's been a while, but I, I think I got, I can get this right. So, the gang kind of like introduces himself. Even little Oi gets like a little, um. Uh, uh, 
little swagger he gets to like say you know he, he's eld and then like march off and everybody like thinks roland taught him how to do it not realizing then little guy's just pretty smart and then yep. you know eddie gets a big speech in where like he gets some winning jokes with the blue moon and, and then we get this kind of scene where all the teenagers are like sort of like um you know hanging out in in the background like a bad prom <laughs> Mm-hmm. Like, not sure if they're going to get, you know, picked up by the wolves, all the twins. They're not, not good at playing on toys anymore and kind of awkward. And uh-huh. then we get the adults, and they're like, uh, all right, guys, let's have this great feast. And there's like 200 dishes, and everybody's just chowing down and eating <laughs> everything. Um, and that's where we left off. Yep, yep, yep. So we pick up after the feast. <laughs> yes. Let's, let's so, get into this bad boy. So, uh, Rachel, pull back the reins if um, I move too fast on these because, okay. you know, this is basically a song and dance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's some, there's some little subtle things in uh, here that I think we'll have to touch on. But you're, you're not wrong that there's not a lot of action beats. Going through this, it sort of um, – I sort of got the, a mixed impression of, like, that scene from Back to the Future 3 and The Matrix <laughs> – Okay. You know, we're like you're gonna have to elaborate. <laughs> so in Back to the Future Three, they kind of have the hoedown uh-huh. and the dancing, and like I, maybe it's ZZ Top. I don't remember who like does some of the country songs, huh. and this is no exception. We've got song selections like um, "My Honky Tonk Woman." <laughs> yes, yeah, uh huh. And like "Constant Sorrow" and and some of these other ones that are like fairly standard um, American classics that have been. Basically mixed into um, I mid world esque, you know. So it's it's kind of cool that we're seeing those, but also weird. So we start out with um, uh, a couple of strange things. First, they they sing sort of this song about like a lady getting lost in the forest and kidnapped, and a, a cowboy going after her, which I thought was maybe poignant. And then we switch over to uh, um, Callahan jumping up and doing like a drunken Irish song. <laughs> <laughs> yep uh-huh and, and uh-huh. then from there we we have like a set of twins who brings up a um a single guitar and sings in harmony and like wows the entire crowd and in each of these moments we kind of get a reflection of the mood of the crowd and we yeah. get some internal dialogue from eddie that's just like um you know if if, if after that those twins played um we'd have given them a chance to uh vote on whether or not we take on the wolves like we would have get gotten a hands down approach to this um yeah. and and actually one of the things i forgot to mention and this is from the previous section is eddie had just gotten out of that long conversation with the dude that was like george telford yep who was trying to poke poke holes in anything he could and like yeah get him to maybe admit that he wasn't a gunslinger or something like that which was uh-huh. irritating and frustrating and so when we go into this more jubilant dancing sort of thing, there's an, still an undertone as Stephen King kind of pans through the crowd of a few mm-hmm. folks that are still quite not on board with this whole situation. Would you agree? Yes, I would definitely agree with that. Yep, <laughs> yep. And so I, I'm kind of explaining this. Uh, Eddie does some dancing with Susanna and uh, with some other girls in the crowd and like they're basically having a good time now you've got a couple of stars here mm-hmm. and i've kind of powered through this but no, i'm sure you want to circle back around and and touch on a few things yeah i think first of all we can start with kind of where you left off where 
Eddie is dancing with people and he dances with Susanna. And there is this moment where he looks over and he sees Roland and Roland is also dancing and he's dancing. Well, he knows all the steps, but he can see that like, there's something about him where he doesn't have the, I think he says like, you know, the flair or the enjoyment of it. And it, it kind of paints this picture of the differences between the rest of the, the quartet and Roland, that they're kind of insinuating themselves into the community. They're having fun. It's a little bit of a fate. You know, they're, they, they are actually in the moment. When you look at Roland, though, he's very much on the clock. Like, he's still working. This is diplomat Roland. This is Roland, like, doing the things that he needs to do in order to, like, lay the groundwork for him to be able to ask the questions. Um, and we'll get more into that as we move forward. But th- there... It, what's interesting is this whole section really does kind of you start to see a separation between Eddie and Roland and the rest of the quartet. Like when they look at him on stage later is another moment we'll get into in a minute. Well, there's some foreshadowing here too because they're like, I never would have expected that guy to do what what comes next. Right, right. <laughs> so I thought that was interesting, and it, it's something that carries throughout the chapter. And the other thing is you talked about the twins singing on the stage, and I think kind of what that is getting at when he's talking about how like if they were so moved by the singing if we had voted now they would have all agreed it's because those beautiful girls that are up there singing in their mind this town understands that once the wolves come one of those girls will not survive unscathed by the wolves one of those two twins that are like moving them with this music one of them will be ruined yeah and And there's actually an internal dialogue from eddie where he's like um, you know, I thought I had the, you know, kind of the feel of the town's yeah. mood, but after he watches those girls, he realizes, wait a minute, like mm-hmm. this is far darker than I thought it was. Right. Like there, he can really see it in the ways in which the town has had to compartmentalize in order to move forward to know that like half the population of their children will be taken and, and ruined. And maybe they don't wear that really obviously on their sleeves, but in these moments of vulnerability, when the guard goes down, when these kids are singing, he really can see exactly how much it does weigh on them and how much and why they would be willing to like, let four strangers roll into town. And they'd be like, yeah, we're going to put it all on the line for you because underneath it all, they're all really like living in a traumatized and, and damaged place by this. Yeah, definitely. And then um, we also get sight of the feather again, too, which, um, mm-hmm. you know, like we had this at the beginning when they called everybody together and like it's sort of propagated in this, too, is like it's not just a community event, but it's almost a important holiday or um, I think there was a moment where they when he holds the feather up, they're like, is is this their like um, this their national anthem or their uh, um, uh, shoot what it? What do you call it? Your, like, well, not your slogan, but um, you know what I'm talking about? Like every country has a thing where you, uh, I don't know, I, uh, brain fog. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. No, no. Like, I'm you, trying to get there. They're like get, probably, they're I guess their it. national anthem, but not uh-huh. what's, the, what's the opposite of the national anthem where like it's a, like a chant or a, a set of terms you use. Like, I, I don't know. Anyway, like a pledge it, of allegiance? Kind yeah, of yeah. Like almost their pledge of allegiance when he's uh-huh. like holding this out. And and maybe I'm reading too far into it, but it, it felt like that. And then Eddie, too, in his internal dialogue is like, and a gunslinger is not just a weapons holder. You know, he's a he's a diplomat and he's all these uh, spies, all these other things. And like, mm-hmm. this is a moment where you see these guys not being weapons holders and fighters, but actually like fighting in other 
um, technical realms, you know, mm-hmm. and that is like getting along and insinuating themselves with the local people. And then right. there's also a fun minute where uh, Eddie's like, I don't know that this would ever be the right time to like ask him the questions. Right. Wait, you wait, hold on. What? Oh, uh, this would not be the right time to ask. Yeah, yeah. So there's like right as they start uh, singing and dancing, like, uh-huh. and he's like, I, I couldn't imagine. I, I know the questions are coming, and he's like, maybe it'll be some random person who has a kid or skin in the game that will answer them and not realize right. what they've got the whole town into. But yeah. I can't imagine that this would be the moment where, where we would ask any questions. And and, and here we go. <laughs> and that was like a good underline because like uh-huh. Stephen King is doing his like heavy heavy handed foreshadowing in here. And there's a lot of foreshadowing in this uh chapter that is a little distressing (laughs) right (laughs) all right that's what i got for that section okay so moving on um so there's an interesting description and this is two parts one is roland but also um uh eddie notices something and basically when uh roland takes his guns off first let's talk about that because he walks he kind of saunters up to the stage Mm -hmm. takes his guns off and stephen king describes him as like almost boyish in nature as soon as his guns are removed yeah, and like i have the quote if you want. oh yeah read it because that one says a ton in just a yeah. small amount yeah roland stood in their light gunless and and as slim hipped as a boy for a moment he looked out over the silent watching faces and eddie felt jake's hand cold and small creep into his own there was no need for the boy to say what he was thinking because eddie was thinking it himself never had he seen a man who looked so lonely so far from the run of human life with its fellowship and warmth to see him there in the place of fiesta for it was a fiesta no matter how desperate the business that lay behind it might be only underlying the truth of him he was the last there was no other if eddie Susanna, jake and oi were of his line they were only a distant shoot far from the trunk afterthoughts almost roland however roland Yep. Yeah. And and so that painting there with his guns removed sort of like puts him into a different light because it's almost like some of his burden has been removed by handing those guns off to someone else. And you see him for what he is for the first time, as opposed to the guns being the first thing you see and like that being the reflection. Mm -hmm. And and so Mm -hmm. it's kind of an interesting deep dive on Roland and like the burden and and, you know, basically all of gunslinger kind that he carries. Right. I don't know, Rachel, what'd you, what'd you get out of that? I mean, I agree. And I think that there's a moment where Jake is just sort of like mystified by Roland. And it's a reminder, like they've gotten so accustomed to him. I think they forgot to see Roland as he truly is. Like they, they have a familiarity with him, you know, like it's like when you see the same, you know, you drive the same way every day and you don't see what's around you because you're so accustomed to it. And then you go away, you come back and you're like, Oh my God, this place is beautiful. Like that is kind of an experience that they're having in this moment with these fresh eyes and they see the loneliness in him. They see the sacrifice that he's made along with like a sense of nobility and, and just sort of the complexity of Roland. But at the center of it, there's also kind of this man who is a part. He is out of time. He is everything that he has, you know, loved and known is gone the world has moved on and he is the last remnant of it and that's like a very lonely vulnerable thing to see but at the same time he's also rolling the diplomat the gunslinger i don't know it's it's a really great kind of moment that's why i pulled that quote because i was also really struck by it oh awesome well i think we're on the same page there <laughs> uh, so the other thing to note here is that when eddie is kind of like watching and ancillarily describing this moment he yeah. also catches Susanna, and he's like 
hey girl did your boobs grow yeah and he's, he's like just like really not trying to see it yeah and he's like nah 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 that's that's fine that's it's that's probably not what's going on like it's a trick of the light trick of the light and uh-huh. you're like okay <laughs> there there we go again you know sure eddie and and so uh roland jumps on stage and like starts off like with a humble apology to the group he's like you know um I'm old. It's been many moons since I've uh, done this, but I have one last song to sing before we go, you know, and like he kind of talks about it. But first he like kind of prompts them with the questions, which is um, basically, uh, do you guys believe we're gunslingers? And they're like, yeah, yeah. Um, And there's a couple, I don't, there's a weird slang, not insult, but like, booger booger you or something like that or am i saying that right well there was like the song that had like booger or something in it okay then i'm (laughs) I'm probably incorrect no it's i mean i don't know maybe (laughs) i I just didn't find it (laughs) no no that's fine um so yeah the two questions that rachel just read like that's basically it he he has asked two of the three questions that we know are coming but he stops there so they haven't got complete permission but we, we've gotten earlier in this chapter and sections, we've gotten uh, kind of hints that like, do they realize that like, once you've called us, you can't call us back. And like, that's where they're at, like almost on the cusp of, of that moment. And even earlier when um, Eddie was talking to random strangers before we got to this section, a lot of those conversations were like people asking what the plan was and what they were going to do. And and so it's a very strong buildup. And this is like almost the culmination. And of course, with the culmination, we have to have like a uh, uh, harvest dance, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So like uh, uh, Roland basically starts doing kind of a, a shuffle and the shuffle turns into kind of a tap dance beat slash slide and jake for a moment thinks about it and realizes that he recognizes this beat um when he was transported over from uh new york he heard the chat bim and like that (laughs) and that sound matches what roland's doing and roland starts to like sing and the crowd starts to sing and and basically uh the rest of the gang is like mesmerized. They're like, "Hey, did you know? Did you know he could do that? <laughs> did you know he could do that?" And like, he's singing. The whole crowd is singing. Everybody's dancing. The beat goes faster and faster and faster. And like, everybody in the entire crowd is into it. And it becomes this like kind of crazy. Like, finally, you know, come Kamala, and they're like, and it's the you know the rice harvest dance, and it's. You know, it's a long description, but, like, this is, like, done in the same way as you would imagine, like, some... And that's where I brought the Matrix up earlier, <laughs> is this sort of, like, oh, feels like, like the, the sex dance at the end of, you know, in the middle of the, um like, party in mm-hmm. the caves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so like, weird sex rave. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly like, about. this is, like, the old-timey, you know... um uh, Western version of that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like there's people like fan. I, I mean, I'm um putting this into my own mind, but I'm imagining like girls fanning themselves, like oh lord, you know, like, <laughs> throwing their hands up in the air and like Kamala, oh, you know. It's I mean, just, it's like, very ritualistic for sure. Yeah, yeah. And the song is very sexual, and it's like this mix of right, like the rice um, harvest and fertility. 
And it's, it's, but it's also set to the sound of him tap dancing on the stage, which Eddie has repeatedly referred to as sounding like someone is knocking on a coffin. Coffin, yep. So it's this, it, there's a lot happening here because it's like this mix of fertility and harvest, but also life and death and, um, you know, this co- co- uh, coming together of the community and ritual. Uh, which ties into the whole like gunslinger and the asking of questions. Like it's all very much coming together with a lot of themes here. And, but it also is this moment of recognition between the audience and Roland that he is who he says he is, that he knows about this world that, you know, has moved on, that he is a remnant of the past, that he still has a connection to the culture that they're like desperately clinging onto that is slipping away in every other part of the world. And it's as much as it's this really amazing performance and everybody is moved by it. It's once again, it's that same thing as Roland dancing on the dance floor where he is in work mode. Like he is on the gunslinger clock right now. He is setting himself up to be able to ask these, that final question and get the answer that he, he needs should he decide that he's going to go ahead and do whatever he can for this community. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a crazy scene. Like, I feel like this is one of those scenes where we're later on, we're going to come back and we're going to think about everything that happened in this moment. And like, this feels, it feels, it felt important when it was happening. I don't know about for you. Oh yeah. And actually like I moved a little fast. I want to circle back for a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, when he's, after he's asked the questions, we talked about like the crew recognizing this, but also a few of the folks in the crowd that weren't necessarily yeah. as like pro gunslinger as uh-huh. the rest of the crowd uh-huh. also like looked around, realized what was going on yeah. and like also had like a little panic attack that this was right. going to be the moment where they accepted them, whether they liked it or not. Yeah. These are people that are used to having total control. Yep. And exactly. all of a sudden the, the many are outweighing the will of the few. Yeah, and, um, and, and that I would imagine said, I don't remember what the dynamic is between Telford. I feel like they're setting him up to be a villain. So it would make sense to me that seeing how easily he swayed the crowd and how easily he was able to, without confronting or being aggressive in any way, like step in and take control and have that kind of power must be very intimidating and threatening to someone like Telford. Yeah, exactly. And it, it's kind of like speaking to their hive mind when Roland mm-hmm. takes over like that. And, mm-hmm. and that's sort of like, we saw an instance of that early on when like Callahan at the original meeting, like came in and like kind of yeah. hit everybody in the hearts instead of the brains. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. I kind of we didn't really talk about this, but from Eddie's perspective, like the song was really fast and hard to understand. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't that it wasn't in English. It was just that they moved so fast. Yeah. That, like he couldn't keep up with it. And there's a moment later on where like uh, Callahan is like taking him back to the, his place and uh, he tells Roland like this is probably the best, uh, you know, harvest song he's mm-hmm. seen um, since he's been here. And like. That was in 1983, um, and we actually get some. Well, are you ready to move on to the? Yeah, yeah, let's okay, move forward. Okay. I did. No, 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 you're doing great. With my uh, brain fog, I'm trying to make sure I check every mark off, and I. No, you're <laughs> doing really well. <laughs> <coughs> okay, so um, basically, we get a couple of moments here um, as the party winds down. Uh, one specific moment is like we already kind of saw earlier that Jake had like made friends and Roland had kind of given him permission to go off with that family. Mm-hmm. Um, Roland kind of hands him something and sends him on his way. Um, we're not quite sure what that is. Eddie notices and kind of has like a ping 
of of uh, feels about mm-hmm. that and is concerned for Jake in this other place and kind of thinks like they better take care of him, you know. Um, and then we get the rest of the gang kind of like heading off to the church and they've packed up with Callahan and like as Callahan's explaining how uh, um, great this dance was, he's also kind of given us some insight into himself. Um, we definitely find out that uh, he has he has um, been affected by the ball and one of the times he was sent to Mexico and the other time he was sent to what was it, the house of the king, the castle of the, the king, castle of the king. And like <laughs> when uh, when they ask if that's like a, the, you know, like the God king or like a positive king, he's like, I don't want to talk about it. So I, the reason I'm focusing in on that is because Rachel is someone who is more familiar with that particular property than I am. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to know if that meant something in uh-huh. the Stephen King universe. And I figured it probably did. I, I assume that it does. I think we're, we're laying the groundwork for the, for the uh, introduction of a character. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, that's why I just wanted to stop and kind of underline that three times. Uh, it seemed kind of important. Yeah. Um, so then basically as they're heading to the church, like, uh, Colleen's like, you feel that? And, like, they're like, well, no, you know, I don't I don't feel Black 13. He's like, yeah, it's asleep right now. Yeah. And, like, that's kind of ominous. And, like, Eddie's like, well, what happens if it wakes up? You know, it's like, well, um, then we go toe dash, we go toe dash, you know? Right. Like, that's how it is. And, like, that's kind of an interesting um, perspective between the ball and those guys because, like, it is um, sort of out of their control, but something that they want to try and control. And that seems like the nature of all of these uh, uh, crystal balls or or what have you Mm -hmm. is that they have their own will despite what you think you're imposing on them Mm -hmm. and that foreshadowing of like well we go toe dash we go toe dash and we also find out that callahan um is familiar enough with this world to completely understand the term toe dash and not be confused by it we uh we also get uh this moment where in the crowd and we kind of skipped over this because it's kind of spelled out here and i didn't feel like we needed to say it twice but mm-hmm. Susanna um when when Eddie's talking to the annoying guy Susanna's talking to like a nice lady and Roland's talking to like I think what is described as like Merlin from the Lord of the Rings or something like that <laughs> um, yeah and so we finally get insight into Susanna's conversation and it turns out that uh Zalia's like old grumpy grandfather who is mm-hmm. in and out of lucidity has was actually there when they killed a wolf three callings ago and then there's kind of a discussion of like well how far back is that well like every calling it seems like happens about 20 to 23 years Mm -hmm. so you know you're talking like 60 to 75 years ago and Mm -hmm. so and this guy wasn't like a child when that happened so you know you're talking a guy that's probably in like in his late 80s and at least that's a pretty good run for someone living in like a western society who you know doesn't have the medical stuff so yeah. that's a super interesting thing to remember because I'm sure they're going to go meet up with that guy and hear his story. Yeah. We also get a moment too, where, um, Callahan is like, you know, I'm, I know the story and I can tell you the story of black 13, but I'm not going to, you don't tell that kind of story at night. Right. He also doesn't want to tell his own story, which is kind of a callback to Roland when he, when they were trying to get him to open up about, uh, 
his time in Magus, and he's like, mm, not today, not today, not today. And then finally, he like the time was right, and for, <laughs> so it's it's kind of an interesting little callback. Um, like, is is Callahan like a baby Roland? Is that what we're saying, or like mirrored I in mean, Roland? I think it's one of those things where it's just like you know, sometimes stories you need the t- the timing needs to be right, but it's funny to see it kind of flipped on Roland, where Roland has to be told something, and they're like, no, 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 not the right time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 there a lot of interesting stuff happens in this section um going back to jake uh riding off with his friend and eddie looking on and like getting these like like you said pangs of of fear and concern um and he's like telling himself like you're not his father so it's interesting that like i kind of was always thinking of them as being more like brother little brother older brother but like eddie is actually kind of getting these sort of fatherhood feelings and considering what we know about Suzuna, it's kind of interesting and it's i'm wondering that is that's his like the surface yeah like he's he is subconsciously pushing down the knowledge of what's happening with Susanna, but they share cast so there has to be some part of him that knows something is going on in that direction and i wonder if it's manifesting itself in the way that he's looking at jake almost like a son for the first time the other thing is, is Roland, instead of reassuring him, tells him like, well, we hope you'll be OK, <laughs> which yeah. to me feels like a lot. Like I said at the beginning, like there's a lot of foreshadowing in this. And this feels a little foreshadowy about maybe what's going to be happening to Jake soon. And I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't remember, but I don't like it. Um, let's see what else we co- we went through a, a handful of things. So I think we should. Oh, we should touch on the fact that Roland is like exhausted. And oh yeah, I have thought to that was bring in the next chapter. Like, That's why well, I didn't. Yeah, it is. But okay. also, like the part where um, Callahan puts a big blanket on him and is like, "You've done this better than I've seen anybody else do it since I've been here," kind of thing. Oh it's yeah, and it's cold and it's going to be freezing. Um, and like, it's, it kind of shows the exhaustion of performing yes. that particular dance and how much it actually takes out of you. And like, right. it sort of underlines the po- postcoital. <laughs> bliss yeah of, that's true too of the whole situation and like i hadn't gone there but i was thinking of it more just like i feel like it says that there's more happening than just a dance you know like there is some degree of ritualism or something it took it took something out of like we've seen roland exert himself i thought and this was like, stephen king just being like <laughs> and guys fall asleep afterwards i mean i think you're not wrong but i think there's i think there's a couple things happening now that you're saying that i'm like yeah that that tracks <laughs> but i also think it's it's telling you that there was more we've seen him exert himself and do like really intense physical things and not be passing out not need not be shivering under a blanket so i think that there's some degree of well so for the entire crowd to sync up with roland and for the whole dance to happen the way it did a um, lot of psychic energy yeah exactly like you're you're talking like mind connections to the entire crowd right because they all stopped at the exact same moment yep exactly and like Uh there's actually a really good um if you ever get a chance to go to like one of the um science explorations of music in your brain there's like Mm. some very cool crowd uh analysis where like a musician will get up on stage, play something, and the entire crowd, without even knowing the next note, will finish it correctly. Mm-hmm. And it's because of the way your brain works in a musical situation. And Interesting. like to, to that, like I, I feel like the the music and tempo of this is like amplified Roland's uh, psychic powers or yeah. you know, touch or whatever Stephen King term you would like to use for it to make yeah. it more of a connection. And right. then like. 
it's a song about you know uh reaping the rice and so on and like he's also physically exhausted well the dance yeah. was hard um but also um we also hear just a touch of like what's going on with roland's body um yeah i know we're getting into some stuff soon yeah so yeah but i also think it comes back to this idea that like the crowd is so excited when he starts to do it and like they describe the looks of ecstasy on their face Mm -hmm. i mean i like a song i like a lot of songs but i feel like it speaks to that there's more there there that everyone is this excited about the song it's it's okay but it's not like the ultimate bop so i i think that there's like a physical or at least a psychological or some sort of some something that happens when they sing that song that heightens that experience to where people would be that wrapped and excited the minute he put his hands on his cheeks i don't know have you ever have you ever been to like a small intimate concert where everyone there is into the band so much that Mm -hmm. they know like every word of the song Mm -hmm. and like sing it in unison with the band almost better than the band sings it themselves like that felt like the intensity we were getting out of this oh see i felt like it was an even more intense thing but maybe you're right maybe it was Well, you throw some psychic powers in there and like that's what i'm that's what i'm saying (laughs) picking it up a notch um yep okay the other last couple of one last thing when he when he talks about going kodash twice we talked about the castle of kings i think there's one other one that's worth talking about which is that he went to mexico to a town called los zapatos yeah yeah what's that about well, that's Spanish for the shoes. Okay. <laughs> which I think is kind of a callback to the ruby slippers. Oh, okay. So like that's a um that's the the green palace sort of thing. We're going well, back to Well, red is what I'm thinking. Los Zapatos, oh, like... ruby slippers, red, crimson. Oh, okay. I was actually just going back to the yellow brick road. Well, yeah. I mean, earlier. they they had the but they had red shoes on going on the yellow brick road and then he went to los zapatos and this castle of the king okay so are you thinking that like he went to the same places that they went to no i'm i'm red is a you know the ruby is red is crimson <sighs> today. no 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 i i think it's an allusion to spoiler uh, 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 oh, skip okay, forward okay. 10 seconds i think it's an allusion to the crimson king oh red slippers lost los zapatos uh, like so I thought that was the second one. Like I thought the the more obvious one where he's like uh, king, you know, like yeah. the, the king's castle. Like isn't that just like that's not even uh, sneaky. That's just like yeah. <laughs> no, I I mean I think that's but I think we know that because we know where this is going. Oh okay okay. But yeah. I think it's like little tiny hints of like that. It's a callback to the shoes, the ruby slippers, and then he went to the castle of the of the king. Like I think it all sort of adds up when you take the thumbtacks and the strings and you all connect them i think this is all kind of a little bit of a, a callback can i just stop you and say can we make one of those because I need, <laughs> yes i want one on my wall for no reason other than to just be like this means something yes but we gotta like put like weird obscure clues on there so that people think we actually are solving some sort of crime <laughs> and just be like no i can't explain it to you you just have to look at it and then eventually it will you'll understand <laughs> and just like <laughs> leave people in front of it for 20 minutes <laughs> all right uh is there anything else in this section i don't think so i think we got it all okay so there's one last thing i wanted to touch on and this is just a like little aside because we've kind of blended um, mm-hmm. section 13 and 14 together yeah uh, but there's a moment where like they're 
talking about the joys of actually having a door. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, so like, and a bed. <laughs> Roland passes out, but like Susan or uh, and Eddie basically uh, get like a room with a door that shuts. And they're like, this is the first time we've had a mm-hmm. room with a door since yep. since we've been together. So it's like our honeymoon. And yep. they treated it as such, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. I thought was interesting. And also just the um, the feel and the fact that the, uh, the house is warming and comforting at the same time as it is also like this dark foreboding place was kind of yeah. an interesting thing. And the part that I wanted to actually dive in a little bit on is um, – Susanna takes this as her like um, honeymoon and is like extra comfortable in this place. And we have like this evil ball underneath of her. And like that kind of is like a Mm -hmm. weird connection to like where she didn't even need to sneak out that night to go, you know, go hunting, so to speak Mm. or anything. And, Mm. And we've been getting that hint for the last several nights. And then suddenly this night it's like, Oh no, we're just going to have a great time in this bedroom. Right. Well, I mean, I I wonder what's going to happen, right? Because oh yeah, we're not done yet, but like yeah, like when she starts at the end, kind of like fussing in her sleep, I'm like, uh oh. What's interesting is like they have this intimate moment, and again, Eddie does not pick up on the changes that are happening to Susanna's body, which tells me like there, this guy is intentionally blocking it out. He should know, like the feel of her. If she's changing like that, he should know. So, um, so that's interesting. The other thing is, um, there's this moment where he sort of runs through all the events of that night. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if this is true, but it just struck me as one of those moments, like when we talk about interpreting the dreams where he highlights all of these little moments that feel like when we go back and read this again with it fresh in our mind, um, or revisit the scene later on in the books these moments will have had significance because why would he why would we take the time to remember these specific moments from the night like why would eddie spend the time reflecting on them if they don't if they aren't important so i don't know what that means it just stood out to me (laughs) right all right so what overall did you think of this chapter it was good i needed to revisit the earlier portion of the chapter so i knew what was going on so if Mm -hmm. you got a lot of like cross references from the previous section to this section, it's because I went back and reread that whole section to make sure I didn't forget where we were at. <laughs> Sorry about that. Oh, no, that's okay. Um, When I go a long time without uh, visiting mm-hmm. a material, I, I have to, like... No, I did. I was like, wait, where did we leave off? Yeah, I know. That's <laughs> why I when asked I was you, writing the left off part, I'm like... Oh. I'm like, uh, Rachel, where were we at? But overall, I thought it was good. Um, I think this is leading up to something that's going to be more fulfilling but like mm-hmm. to see Roland dance around and do crazy stuff and like to finally get some of this like character building together that we haven't we've never seen Roland dance before and like it's reflected accordingly and then like to finally get to Callahan's place and like know that his story is coming up is like mm-hmm. yeah this, this is all good fodder for what will probably be a good next chapter mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Dun, dun, dun. yeah I mean I it feels like that it feels like a pivot point in the story to me. You know what I mean? Like everybody's happy. Everybody is enjoying themselves. Um, everybody's together. And it feels, it feels like that, like last night before shit kicks off. So 
I don't know. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens next. I enjoyed it. I always love those sort of internal psychological stuff. I like the world building. I like it when it gets weird. And I think that whole rice dance was weird. So, so I had a good time with this chapter and I'm excited to see what happens next. I'm sure it's going to be great. I'm sure it's going to be very all happy and uplifting. I'm not worried at all. All right. So speaking of what happens next, for those of you who are playing along, we are going on the next episode, we will be covering uh, part two, telling lies, chapter two, dry twist. So the whole of chapter two. Uh, I just remembered <laughs> what the dry dry twist is. <laughs> it just came to me. I'm <laughs> like, shit. <laughs> All right, cool. So I didn't catch any Stephen King universe connections in this one. If I miss them, please, please do let me know because I don't want to miss them. I always enjoy that a lot. There's no real Stephen King news this week. There's like, he has a short story that he put out on Scribd exclusively, but I can't talk about it. I don't have Scribd. What is but Scribd? It is like a service that you get like a lot of audiobooks and um, unlimited podcasts on. It's like a premium service, like 12 bucks a month. And like, you know. I oh, roll. Do we need another service in our life? No, we do not. No. You know what changed my life? Libby. Libby changed my life. What is Libby? It is basically your library. of. It's a library of audiobooks. And so oh, wait, is that the one that you can just go to your local library and get? Because I have a app yeah. for that. Okay, yeah. So yeah, so Libby, I I basically am getting rid of Audible because everything I want is on Libby. Uh, the only problem I run into with Libby is, is well, and it's not it's it's branded by our local library, and then like Libby is the underlying app that they use. Uh-huh. Uh, but is that people can check out the book you want, and you can't check it out till they've checked it back in again. Yeah, that can so, be a problem. So there's like kind of an annoying thing where like you mm-hmm. want something right then, and then like you have a queue and you have to wait, and then it like comes to you. Um, so the pro tip is you can make up. Gonna get oh yeah <laughs> yeah like i have one that's like i'm my libby is like for a, a library in brooklyn that has like a bunch of books already. no i just have my local one so you know yeah but mm. i don't know i'll show you some information okay because <laughs> yeah i gotta get rid of audible man i don't want to pay for it like why would i i can support a library um okay cool so no listener question this time i think i was like kind of pushing myself to always do it and sometimes the questions were not that great so I'm going to move forward like when I have a good question or when we have a good casting or something like that, I will do the questions, but I will not always do them. Unless people feel really strongly about it and they really love it, then if that's the case, I will do it. It will be worth it if you guys love it. Please let me know. Um, uh, if you don't really care one way or the other, that's okay too. You don't have to drop a line. But if you do, please let me know. You can email us at castofcaughtzombiegirls.com. You can hit me up on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter and Zombie Girl or Twitter and Instagram at ZG Podcasts, and you can slide into the DMs there. Um, I and of course on our Facebook group. Like I guess maybe my question for this is: Do you want a question every episode? If you do, we'll make it happen. If you don't really care, then I I will probably just do them when there's like a really good question that comes naturally from the chapter. But I will leave that up to you guys. Um, so that's kind of it for this episode. I told you this was going to be a quick one. I did not lie. <laughs> I mean, we we made it the prerequisite hour, so I I think we're did okay. we nice. Well, forty five minutes, but <laughs> close enough. Uh, with the extended episode, it should be an hour, right? Yeah. 
Um, yeah. So like I said, email us at castofcaw at zombiegirls.com or you can come chat with us on the Facebook group. We love that. We never get tired of hearing from you there. If you're enjoying the show, do us a huge solid and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you're getting your pods. I know it doesn't seem like a big thing, but it actually is super helpful um, and would mean a lot to us if you did that. If you like scary movies, if like me, you're a bit of a horror movie nut, you should check out our video on demand and streaming calendar on the Zombie Girls website because I personally keep track of all the spooky doings that are happening on streaming and on uh, video on demand and keep a calendar there for you so you can always find out what the hot new spooky thing is to watch. If you want to, you know, floss out with some new gear, you should check out our merch at zombiegirls.com forward slash merch. I love my Castaca t-shirt. I wear it all the time. Not wearing it right now, but I do love it. (laughs) I swear. Um, And you will love yours too. And then finally, if you love us and want to support us, we do have a Patreon and we have a lot of fun stuff there. We have a bonus episode that we're recording this weekend. I'm hoping DJ is going to feel up to it. We have a, a fun drinking game planned. And I never tire of drunk DJ and drunk Mars and drunk Ariel <laughs> together. Your power through your powers combined, entertainment is born. We also have a really fun live episode coming up next month that you'll hear a lot more about. You do not want to miss those. We do those live on camera. You can participate while we're recording. We always get goofy. I always drink too much and then regret it the next day. Um, but it's a good time, so you don't want to miss out on that. All right. Let's wrap it up. DJ, where else can they find you on the internet? I mean, I I don't know anymore. Is Dead Lantern even a thing? Is that no. a still? Nope. Okay. No, yeah. no, no, no. So, uh, yeah, uh, there's not a lot of places anymore. I've been drying up left and right on the internet. Um, if you just uh, Google DJ Sharton, you will find all kinds of things you can click on and read about and stalk me from a distance. Uh, but there's nothing exciting going on right now. I'm currently in the mode of building suitcase drums. So if you live in the Portland area and you want a suitcase drum, come check me out. Otherwise, I play <laughs> in a couple bands. I've been playing shows with a French band that just does music you can talk over. And uh, mm, also been bonjour. playing a little bit of honky-tonk music, which is why I'm actually uh, familiar with Honky Tonk Woman. <laughs> so I had to learn to play that, uh, you know, so that's a thing. Um, but, uh, regardless, that's about it for me. Rachel, where can people find you? Well, you can find me on all the shows across the zombie girls network, uh, including the zombie girls, original prime, whatever you want to call it. Dream Queens, more deadly and, uh, untitled Nick Cage show. You can also find myself and DJ because <laughs> he as- is actually on the internet still. No, am I? <laughs> yes. On the YouTube channel, Outpost Unknown. Oh, okay. That's a thing. Cool. Thanks for reminding me. You not remember recording? <laughs> then we have a ton of fun shows. You should subscribe there. We have our weekly show, IOU, where we just talk about random stuff that's come up. Uh, I think one episode we talked about a bunch of Marvel stuff. I think that's the episode you were on, right, Deej? Uh, yeah, that sounds correct. Yeah. Uh, this week we had a really interesting conversation. I don't know if the episode's out yet. I think it'll be out in a couple of days where we talked about like representation in film and, you know, why it matters and all that kind of good stuff. And there was a variety of opinions. So you should definitely check that out. Uh, there's also a handful of other specialized show. Like the other one that I do is called The Weirder the Better. And I do it with uh, a, 
a fella named Jeff, who is also a former Splattercast guy, which is how, of course, DJ and I met, where we talk about weird cinema. Our, we have one episode out now on the 1973 film The Baby, which is a wild ride and on Shudder if you haven't seen it. Um, and uh, I also guested on an episode of Save Point Unknown with our good buddy Borp, where we are, or he is going through the game Dino Crisis, playing through it again. And he brings along people to quote unquote navigate, but basically we just chit chat and talk about dinosaurs and stuff. Fun. Um, as far as other plugs, I was recently on an episode of Bloody Good Horror where we reviewed the film Firestarter. I bring it up specifically because obviously that is a Stephen King joint. It's a fun conversation, if a slightly underwhelming film, but we had a really good time. You should check that out. And yeah, that is it for my plugs. That is enough. Like nobody needs any more of me than that, but that is where you can find me on the internet. All right, DJ on that note, take us out. <laughs> uh, thanks for listening to another exciting episode of the cast of Ka, where this time I don't really have anything exciting to say other than don't catch the vid guys. Don't Aww. catch the vid. Have a wonderful night and we'll see you on a next episode. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for listening, and to my co-host, DJ, for making me laugh and for indulging all of my tinfoil hat conspiracies. Production on this episode was done by yours truly. Our theme song for the show was created by DJ. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the extended episode of Cast of Caw, where we are going to catch up because DJ and I have been apart for a really long time. We have not got to talk about what we've been up to. For one thing, you have straight up left this continent and returned. So I wanted to hear all about your trip to Italy, DJ. Tell me, did you have fun? Well, How was it? Before we dive into that, Rachel, I heard oh. you took a two-week hiatus. I want to know about that. I mean, I didn't take off work, so I didn't get to do that much, but I did. I mean, I don't know if this would be exciting to you, but I did get to go back to one of my favorite places, which was Disneyland, for the first time since lockdown. And it was great. I got to go to, I got to finally ride the Rise of the Resistance, which is the Star Wars ride that opened right before lockdown, so I didn't get to do it. And it was awesome. So It was the best ride. What do you do at Disney? Like, do you have to still, like, wait in lines for the stuff or do you get like a special pass where you can like sneak to the front or what's the what's the secret sauce so, here okay some people like just wait in lines and for the most part if you go on a day that's like not super high attendance it's not that bad but they've now introduced this thing called like a genie pass where you can kind of with an app on your phone like set up what you want to do and you can see which ones are available and you can go directly essentially to the front of the line so I only actually stood in one line the entire day, which was for Indiana Jones. And then, of course, the ride broke down because it always fucking breaks down. <laughs> and so I had to stand inside the the like line for, I don't know, like 45 minutes. And um, it was fine, except for when I got stuck in one part where it's like the little video where it's explaining like where you like put your stuff in the basket in the front. And it used to be this long, like two minute video where it's Sala from Indiana Jones being like, hello my friends and then he like shows you the you know the the eye of the mysterious don't look into the eye and then people like turn into skeletons and it's like a whole funny little video but they've now cut it down to like a i'm not kidding like a five to ten second clip so it repeated and repeated hello my friends this is where you put your stuff hello my friends this is where you put your stuff like i heard it 
probably a hundred times. I uh, by the end, I was like, I'm gonna lose my mind. I'm gonna lose. Like I am a happy person at Disneyland. It takes a lot for me to get in a bad mood. Um, that did the trick. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, I didn't. I didn't send in any lines. Um, you basically just go right to the front. I rode everything I wanted to, except for Pirates of the Caribbean was closed, which was a bummer, and because it's my favorite. And then we just like ate really good food and walked around and like just kind of vibed. Uh, it was just one of those things that we love to do that really went by the wayside, you know, for a few years. And like we were worried at some points, like, is that ever going to be something we'll feel safe doing? And we did. And it was fine. And I had my Mickey pretzel and it was great. It was just like really good to be back. I did accidentally flash my entire ass to a uh, a poor unsuspecting group of people behind me at the Matterhorn, which was a bummer. <laughs> okay. Both uh, cheeks to the wind, which was uh, disappointing for everybody involved. Okay. <laughs> but other than that, it was great. <laughs> I'm trying to think, what else did I do? Um, did a lot of hiking. Um, I like I what it was is I just did not have aside from work any obligations. I didn't have to do any research. I didn't have to like do anything, and I kind of just got to do what I wanted, which was really, like, I, it was nice. It was just, like, a nice little refresh that I needed. Went to, like, some of, like, went to some local places I really like, like, out to Niles, which is this little tiny town um, that was the original Hollywood. I'm sure I've talked about you before. It's a really, like, it, the Charlie Chaplin Museum is there, and Charlie Chaplin's house is there, and, like, all of those movies were shot there back in the... Oh, that sounds awesome. It actually is. It's a really cute, tiny little town. You would love it. Uh, it has like lots of antique stores and like weird little shops and stuff. Um, what else did I do? I went out to the coast. Um, there's like this brewery that I love that's right on the water in Half Moon Bay and spent like an afternoon there. It was just like very chill and like a nice, nice reset. Um, but yeah, nothing compared to flying to Italy. I will tell you that. Uh, you were the first person, like you went international, like you, you did the, the full flight. How was that? 